Listen and subscribe to the Growth Craft Startup Community Podcast on all the major podcast players, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere where podcasts are available. And leave a five-star review if you like it. We need those reviews to grow the show, and it's the easiest way to help us grow the show that you can do right now. So head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Podcasts or Spotify, and leave a five-star review for the Growth Craft Startup Community Podcast. And tell all of your friends who are entrepreneurs to take a listen. And thanks. Hello. My name is Hassan Sorrells. This is Tom Libby. Welcome back, everybody. And you are listening uh, to the Growth Craft Podcast. The Growthcraft podcast is designed with the startup founder in mind. This podcast is committed to growing your connections to our Growthcraft advisors, increasing your engagement overall with the Growthcraft community, and of course, growing your knowledge about all the benefits Growthcraft can provide for your startup and for your project. And we can't wait to bring you along with us on our journey today. Now, typically here on the podcast, we interview startup founders, advisors, and others about their journey, their process, their project, and of course, we ask them how they came to be connected with GrowthCraft. And today, we are going to be talking with one of those folks in that others category. And so I'd like to welcome to the podcast today, Richard Messing. How are you doing, Richard? Doing great. Thank you very much for inviting me to do this. Uh, I feel very much um, uh, um, welcome because I I know you guys and uh, uh, you know I really I, I really appreciate what what you're doing and um, so I feel like we're on the journey together and uh, I'm just delighted I'm just delighted to be here. Awesome. Well, we're delighted to have you, and uh, so I'm going to start you off with our typical first question that we ask every guest uh, here on the Growthcraft Podcast. Um, for our listeners, what is it that you do exactly? Great question. So <clears throat> what the uh, World Ethics Organization does is uh, we're, we're doing two things. We're, number one, our primary mission is to create is to is to give voice to ethics, to give voice to ethics. Uh, if if. If I ask you, when was the last time you had a conversation with someone where the word ethics was part of the conversation, uh, the probability is probably very low. Uh, you, you don't hear people talking about ethics uh, frequently. Uh, it's very infrequent. And so, uh, but if I ask you, does the world need to become more ethical? Everybody says, what are you kidding me? Look at what's going on in the world. The, the world definitely needs to become more ethical in a major way. And if I ask you on a scale from one to 10, uh, how important is ethics to you? If 10 is, is very important and one is unimportant, almost everyone says, well, it's, it's, it's no, no less than a nine. And for me, it's a 10. And so, um, so there's no question about it that, that ethics is extremely important to people. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a profound mystery that our public schools don't teach it and the universities and colleges don't require one ethics course for 
mainstream undergraduates. So there's, there's a major disconnect. Uh, and so uh, what the World Ethics Organization is committed to doing is to give voice to ethics in our everyday narratives, in our everyday conversations, in the home, at work, and in the public square. That's number one. And we're, we're doing that in various ways. Number two is we're building an ecosystem for ethics, an ecosystem composed of companies, organizations, communities, individual global citizens, who not only believe that it's very important that the world become more ethical, but actually are going to make commitments to bring ethics into their sphere of influence uh, in, in, a, uh, in a specific way. And so uh, that's that's what we're doing. <laughs> so Rich, let, let me let me play the let me play the dummy here and, and I'll ask the question because nobody else I think has the intestinal fortitude to ask it. And I'm just that that uh, <laughs> naive, which is like, so, so define this for us, because I think I think one of the reasons that people may not be talking about ethics often enough is because maybe they don't get it. Maybe they don't understand like so because we get we get words thrown around at us all the time, like ethics and morals and integrity and all these things that we just assume that people don't understand in what reference point we're using them in. Right. So can you just talk a little bit about the the definition of it from your perspective and why you're you're thinking everyone thinks it's a nine and should be a 10, but they're really not talking about it because that just blows my mind that everybody answers nine or 10. But yet it's not involved in any conversation. It just seems a little silly. <laughs> Uh, not silly in a bad way, but uh, hopefully you know what I mean. It, it sounds it sounds silly that, that it's that important. But... Very important question. And, and I want you to know that many people don't know what the word ethics actually means. Uh, I Many people, when I when I bring up the subject or I tell them what I'm doing, they they say to me, what, what do you mean by ethics? Yeah. I went into a Barnes and Noble store several months ago. <laughs> I walked up to the employee and I said, where can I find books on ethics? She said, she looked at me, she said, ethics? Well, what, do you, what, what do you mean? <laughs> this is Barnes and Noble. Okay, so, you know, this is very common. And it's not surprising because it's not taught. So ethics essentially has to do with the way we treat each other. Literally, the way we treat each other and the impact we have on each other. Uh, if you go into uh, Haagen-Dazs, and you're trying to decide whether to get vanilla or chocolate ice cream, ethics is not an issue. Ethics does not apply because you're not having an impact on, on another person. You're really not having an impact on you either. Whether you get vanilla or chocolate, this doesn't make any difference. And so ethics does isn't relevant. It only becomes relevant when what when the decision you're making has the potential of either causing harm or bestowing some good on another person or the world. That's when ethics becomes relevant. And so uh, <clears throat> that's what I'm talking about when I talk about ethics. That's what I mean. Now, now when I walk... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 when I walk into Haagen-Dazs or Baskin-Robbins with all their 57 or 56 flavors, I always get the blueberry cheesecake ice cream which is unethical to my interior that doesn't like <laughs> any of that. But I get what you're saying about ice cream and vanilla and chocolate. <clears throat> However, I think that somebody listening may say, okay, that's, that's fine. I get it that ethics doesn't apply 
in a series of minor decisions, right? But where does ethics apply in major decisions? Like, here's here's an example. Um, is it ethical for me to, I'll make this very simple or relatively simple. Is it ethical for me to marry this person or not? Where does ethics apply there? Or, or, or about business, right? Is it ethical for me to go into partnership with this person or not? How do how does the World Ethics Organization tackle those kinds of problems, and what are the what are the challenges that are inherent in asking and answering those types of questions? Okay, so first let's let's just realize that that whether people realize it or not, everyone has a code of ethics. We 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 inherit a code of ethics through the culture, through our, from our parents, through the people that take care of us when we grow up, through the media. from the street. So everyone has some notions of what's right versus wrong, okay? Uh, And that can vary between people, that can vary. So regarding the question of, of, uh, is it ethical to marry this particular person? Well, if you're a religious Jew, we're supposed to marry a a Jewish person. And so the code of ethics that that a religious Jewish person has would say, no, it would be unethical to marry someone who isn't Jewish. Okay, so that's, that's, that's one approach. Uh, but that could be completely different for another person. Right? If someone's a secular person, isn't religious at all. I was secular for the first 35 years of my life. Religion meant nothing to me. Uh, didn't make any difference to me whether I was going to marry a, a Jewish person or, or someone who's not Jewish. That didn't, that didn't matter. It wasn't unethical from my given my code of ethics. So um, so, so that's marriage. Um, now, the, the, so what, what was the second example? What was the second example? Sure, the second example was, is it ethical for me to go into a partnership with this individual? You know, oh. uh, you know how, do, how do I make that determination? Where do I put that, where do I put the answer to that question? Well, um, it depends on, it depends on your code of ethics. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, some people, if you work for the mafia, they have their own code of ethics. And so they would not think it unethical to go into business with another criminal, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so uh, my code of ethics is, or your code of ethics is not to uh, enter into business transactions with criminals. And so, uh, so, as you can see, uh, c- codes of ethics vary. Okay, so but it really boils down to it boils down to whether whether what decision you're making, given your code of ethics, is going to uh, produce harm or deliver some form of goodness to another person. Now there are universal codes of ethics. Uh, there's no question about that. That across the board, that across across different cultures. Research has shown that there are universal codes of ethics that are that apply across the board. Uh, for example, the the concept of kindness. It's ethical to be kind to another human being, uh, and so, um, and and it's it, it's unethical to murder somebody for no reason. And so there are universal codes code of ethics, and um, so. Since we we have to figure out how to live with each other, and and uh, the ultimate objective for the World Ethics Organization is to maximize human flourishing, 
human flourishing is the terminology that's now being used in academia and also in the enterprise for um, for what makes for the optimal um, culture, the optimal state of being in an organization, um, in a group of people, human flourishing. If, if you have a lot of human flourishing, then everyone's going to, to, to be uh, uh, enjoying the state that they're in. And, and that's, that's like what, what human beings ultimately want. Uh, that's the term, that human flourishing. And so the question is, how do you achieve human flourishing? Well, the World Ethics Organization uh, asserts that uh, ethics is the way to achieve that. And so that's, that's part of our mission is to, is to teach people um, the, the ethics that uh, you need to adopt in order to maximize human flourishing, what not to do uh, to, uh, to avoid causing harm, and to create a, an environment where people are talking about this. That's, the, that's what's missing. Ethics has been around for a little less than 4,000 years. And as we know, uh, even though it's a subject matter in, the, in academia, uh, the human condition continues to be chronically unethical uh, at, at every level. We see it happening in our own personal lives. We see it happening in our communities. We see it happening, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. International affairs, it's across the board. So this is, uh, so education is insufficient. We know this from history. Something else is missing. And that's what the World Ethics Organization is, is uh, mission is to provide what's missing. And we, we claim that what's missing is an ongoing conversation uh, about ethics and actually having ethics explicitly be part of the everyday narratives that we have at work, at home, and in the public square. Explicitly mean people use use the word ethics, use word, talk about ethical principles, ask the question, what's the most ethical decision we could make given the circumstances that we're facing? If we're asking that question, we're good to go. Join us online via Zoom at the GrowthCraft Startup Community Founders Forum each third Tuesday of the month at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Look, advisors and founders, we're, we're all in this together. Building relationships with your peers and entrepreneurship is just as important as connecting with experts and advisors. Each month, every third Thursday, we'll meet online via Zoom to share ideas, get support, support each other, and talk about universal issues that nearly all startups share. We'll celebrate our victories, chat about challenges, and then break out into small groups to address a timely topic of interest. It's a great way to meet like-minded entrepreneurs. Check out the links to the third Tuesday events on the GrowthCraft website and join us at the GrowthCraft Startup Community Founders Forum in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now. So, so but, but wouldn't that... Uh, uh, not that I'm, I'm confused, but I guess I, I want to ask this a different way because so part of what you're talking about and, and people having their own code of ethics. And so what I might think of as right or wrong may vary from what Hassan thinks is right or wrong based on our, our circumstances, upbringing, so on and so forth. Right. So are you trying, I'm trying to understand like 
and again, in asking the question that you just did, is what we're if the decision we're making right now is is this going to you know produce an ethical outcome? That could be if you have twenty people in a boardroom and they're trying to make that decision for a company like a, a big company, you might have ten people think one way and ten people think another, right? So, are you trying to say that you're trying to? And I let me. I'm sorry. I know I'm, I'm this is a long version of this question, and but and I know that there are universal, you know, ethical statures, right? Like they're like to your point with kindness and stuff like that. I get that too. But are you trying with the World Ethics Organization, are you trying to unify some of these thought processes of ethics across the board, like make more universal uh, ethics versus allowing them to be based on bias or or upbringing or, you know, they, like, are, are you trying to pull that out of the everybody has their own code of ethics and trying to make a one universal form of code of ethics for for everybody? Like, I'm, I'm trying to understand how how the world the world uh, ethics board is approaching this from an example I'll give, I'll give you an example i'll give you an example uh one universal ethical principle is to respect other people for their differences so other people are going to have different concepts of what's ethical and what's not ethical now even though their ethical code of their code of ethics is different than yours they have to respect you for yours, and you have to respect them for theirs. If you don't have respect, then you're not going to be able to have a um, a relationship with the person. Now, so so you see that respect transcends is is an ethical principle that transcends all other ethical uh, all codes of ethics. You see that that would be a universal code. That would be a universal ethical code. Respect. So sure, but I don't. But I don't know. So that's that's just that's just that's just a one small example of of a code that's universal. Now, this is a living thing. This is not something that's static. Ethics is dynamic, not static. So, in order for um, people to uh, improve their code of ethics, you need to be able to talk about your codes, your code of ethics with other people and vice versa and, and 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 present arguments for or against, you know, what the best decision to make given the circumstances. This is this is historically the way it works. Uh, now the reason I say this is because uh, my my ethnic background is Judaism and I know from the, what what happened with the Jewish people is that that the code of ethics that Jewish people live by was determined through vast discussions and debates among the rabbis and the sages over the course of hundreds of years, and that doesn't end. There's commentaries upon commentaries upon commentaries about these codes of ethics. So it's and it changes or the application of these different ethical ideas or codes are applied differently from generation to generation. So this is a living thing. It's not static. It's dynamic. And uh, and so the World Ethics Organization, we're going to present an initial code of ethics to, to get started. But then we're going to create a forum in which anyone could participate in. Uh, uh, in the conversation about how to improve that code of ethics. 
So it's going to be dynamic, not static. That's just the nature of it. That's the nature of it. The pro the reason why it works, it has to work this way is because, well, now I'm going to get a little bit into the, the underlying principles. It, it's, it's inevitable that human beings possess false beliefs about the world and about the human condition itself. This is inevitable. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into why it's inevitable, but let me just put it that way. Because I don't, it, 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 I, I, put, I, I offer a course where I teach the, the, the nitty gritty of all of this called the change agent. Uh, but it's inevitable that we all have false beliefs about the human condition. Therefore, we can't rely on ourselves entirely to make the, the best decisions at all times because all of our decisions are coded as true in, inside of us. If it wasn't the case, we wouldn't believe those, those things in the first place. So all of our beliefs are coded as true. It's inevitable that many of them are false and we don't know how many of them are false. And therefore we have to have an external source of wisdom to help us make better, uh, best decisions at all times. That source of wisdom, we can call a code of ethics. Logic dictates this. Okay, there's so no, there's no way out of it. There's no, there's no way out of it. So you mentioned, um, you mentioned logic, right? And full disclosure here, I've taken the change agent course um, with uh, with Richard, and I've been through, I've been through that process. It's a great course, by the way, um, particularly if you are an entrepreneur uh, who is listening to this podcast. If you're a startup founder, if you're an advisor who's never really thought deeply um, about these types of topics before. Richard does a great job of taking you through the sort of foundational ideas that lay underneath ethics at a, at a very root level. Um, <clears throat> and honestly, um, to Tom's, to Tom's question, some of those kinds of questions are answered in the change agent course. And we actually go really deep. We do a deep dive into the core of where the answers for those questions become, uh, become manifest. And Richard was talking about how, um, you know, there's a lot of history in Judaism um, and commentary and talk around this. I would also assert um, that there's a lot of talk in Christianity, which then split over into the secular world into philosophy at post-Enlightenment. And now we're, we're sort of at the, well, depending upon your perspective, we might be at the <laughs> end of the Enlightenment era, just depends. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. This is not that kind of podcast. Um, but um, but the the last sort of 500 years of Western thought um, that has not been religiously primarily motivated has been about what is ethical and what is not. And Richard's course does a great job in um, sort of bringing and coalescing all of that together in a really understandable way for someone who may never have taken a philosophy class or as we opened up with this podcast may never have thought about it that deeply, you know? Um, so that's just a little pitch for, for, for Richard's course as a person who actually went through it. But I want to ask you a question about the course in relation to that. Why is a course the best way to sort of begin to have these conversations? Because, um, you know, Tom was raised with a particular ethic. I was raised with a particular ethic. You were raised with a particular ethic, right? Um, we're all three different people with three different experiences, three different codes of ethics, potentially. And yes, we can get to some sort of conclusion if we're all in a business together. 
um, about what the common overlaps are in our code of ethics and agree to sort of make those some principles, which are different than ethics, ethics underlay principles. Um, but where it gets to be tricky is when my code of ethics and your code of ethics doesn't match up, right? And so how is an educational course going to help the average startup founder close that gap, maybe with a co-founder that they're bringing in? How is that going to help them have those, those types of conversations? And why is that the best tool? Why is education the best tool for that? Well, I think ultimately, uh, uh, I, I, my, my, my vision is, is that ultimately people will be able to explain these things to each other so, so that they don't have to take a course, right? Uh, and, but uh, I don't think we're there yet. So I just I just I meet people on lunch club and explain to them what I'm doing in such a way that they become sufficiently interested to sign up for the course. Uh, and so that that tells me that there is a latent demand for ethics. People deep down know that there's something fundamentally missing in the world, something wrong. And and and, and it's, it's almost obvious. Uh, and, and so. Um, it resonates when I talk to them about what it is that I've developed, it resonates with them. And I'm able to talk to people in such a way that they become interested in it. And so I've, I, I've, uh, I've, I've tapped into this, this essential, it's like a yearning of some kind. Um, uh, I don't think necessarily, uh, I, I don't know what other modality uh, would work, frankly. Um, and so I, I decided not to charge for it because I think that it's it's so important that people have an opportunity to to learn these things, um, and that that's one of the reasons why I am I've offered to make it available to to the members of, of Growthcraft. Um, so, and it's not something easy to explain. That's the other thing about this, the. The, the 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 essential principle that enabled me to do this is when I when I had an insight that the human condition is fundamentally paradoxical. Par paradox causes confusion biologically. I mean that's what paradox does, and so um, for that reason it's a, it's inherently confusing. So it's 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 not an easy thing to learn, and then to learn how to teach, um, and and uh, and so. I think that's part of the issue. Like, you know, Tom said before, you know, uh, it's, he used the word confusion before. I'm not surprised he used that word because uh, uh, in, in my view, I think most people are confused. They, but they're not consciously confused. They don't realize they're confused, but they are confused. And, uh, they, and, and that's, it's natural. It's, it's natural when you have false beliefs you're confused <laughs> let, let me just let me just say for the record that I might be more confused now Richard so uh you know I'm just, <laughs> just kidding uh, no but but from a standpoint of like so 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 again I think I, I think I think the word I think that if we look at the word ethics and, and how we're approaching it and how we're thinking about it see and, and again to your point right I made I made some assumptions that that the the ethics that were all universal like you're either a good person or you're not being a good person does not is not uh, it's not my 
I, I shouldn't be the one to judge that, right? Like whether or not Richard is a good person or not, right? So I think that there are certain fundamental fundamental things that people do or don't do or say or don't say or interact the way they interact with people that makes them a good person or not. I don't I didn't think that was based on my own version of ethics. I thought that was more universal. And to your point, Richard, maybe it isn't. Or, or to your point, it, it isn't. I shouldn't say maybe. But if that's the case, then how do we truly and honestly really know what's right and wrong? Like, how, how do I know? And again, basing it on like, I'm going to make this decision and it's going to be for the greater good or it's going to have this kind of impact on people seems pretty universal to me, right? Like, I, I, I'm trying to understand how I get to like, why do you to... need ethics? Why do you need ethics? I'm a good person. No, 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 no. Why do we need them? Hold on. I'm not suggesting why. I'm not saying we don't need them or I'm not trying to understand why we need them. I believe me. I'm on your I'm on your side with that part of it. Where where I'm getting at is I'm looking across the table at somebody that makes a decision that I look at and go, that's terrible. You're a bad person. But yet he's looking at it going, I just made this decision based on X, Y, and Z. I'm a good person. Like, I that's where I'm losing. Like, that's where the disconnect for me is. I think it's more universal than it really is, according to what you're saying. So how do I, how do I take, and it, 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 again, I go back to, uh, it's not about respect. For me, it's not about respect because I can respect your opinion. I can respect your actions as being your actions based on your own foundation. But that doesn't, th that level of respect does not make me decide whether you are a good or a bad person based on your ethics. Right. Like my version of this could be completely different than than other people. So that's why I, I was kind of excited to talk to you about this, because I just think it should be universal. Right. And maybe I'm wrong. And you're, I probably am wrong, because as Hassan will tell you, I'm not right all the time by a long shot. But I mean, but like there are just certain things that just should be universal. You're a good person or a bad person and the world should be able to judge that based on your actions or your decision making processes. So now with everybody being being able to say. <laughs> he sounds gonna laugh. I kind of laugh at this because, like, this whole uh, you know, uh, uh, this this movement of I'm my own person. I can do what I want to do, and I'm happy about my like like. There's there's this whole movement about like about being more selfish, and I don't like this movement. By the way, I I really think that that's part of the problem with the way that the ethics are going. The selfishness that people are starting to think about, like. It's all about me. I'm all about me. I'm going to worry about me. And the reality of it is if you forget that you're supposed to be taking care of the people behind you and laying a foundation for the people in front of you, then the world's gone to crap anyway. Right. Like so I so that I, again, I, I'm trying to understand why it's OK for everybody to have their own code of ethics and it shouldn't be more universal. Well, I, 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 I personally agree with you. Okay. Okay. I, I personally agree that there are universal ethics, and that and that everyone should learn them. I agree with that, and uh, uh, and unfortunately, the way the culture has gone, the way the world has gone up to this point in time since the Enlightenment, uh, it's it's got it's become it's become uh, you know more relativism. It's become rel it's it's become relative. Yeah. And so this is one of the major problems with Western civilization is, is that it's in major trouble. Uh, Western civilization is on the decline. And many people think it's for this very reason. So I do agree with you as far as that's concerned. But uh, <clears throat> uh, 
the problem is, is that it's inevitable that people have false beliefs about the human condition itself, what we're talking about. Like people have false beliefs about this, and that causes people to see the world inaccurately and interact with the world in a way that's inconsistent with the way the world really is, specifically when you interact with other human beings. And so it's it's inherently paradoxical for this reason, and that's why it's confusing. And so uh, you can be consciously confused and know that you're confused, or you can be unconsciously confused, which I assert is the general state of affairs in in the world uh, that we live in today. I'm pretty consciously confused. IQ. It has nothing to do with intelligence. It has nothing to do with intelligence. You can be a good person and be very confused and think you're being ethical when in fact you're not. That's very possible. The, the you know the big scan like the guy that the, the Enron guy, you know the guy who ran Enron. I'm sure that guy was a good person. You know, look at look at what happened in the Holocaust. The the people, the 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 army captains, the the, the commandos, all that, like a lot of those guys, they would they, they they would run the the concentration camps, kill people, at, you know, just randomly. Then they go home to their family and treat their children with kindness and love and. They'd be a good husband. You know, human beings can act like this. They can be like this. And so, you know, uh, I personally think that there are very few people that are that have decided to be bad. Relatively speaking, most people want to be good, are good. But just because you want to be good and, you know, you're you're well-meaning, doesn't mean you're 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 not doing things that are unethical. I can give you many examples of this. Join the Growthcraft Startup community online via Zoom each first Tuesday of the month at 4:30 p.m. Eastern Time for Expert Tuesdays. With Expert Tuesdays, you'll hear from one of our top-notch expert advisors and thought leaders in an informative workshop or presentation focusing on a topic important to emerging and growing companies. From sales and marketing to storytelling and leadership, in this hour-long monthly session, you will be able to connect with the GrowthCraft community, advisors, founders, and others. And you'll learn entrepreneurship skills you can apply to your startup project uh, right now. Check out the links to the GrowthCraft website to join us on Expert Tuesdays in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to right now. And thanks. Well, before you do, and, and and I I I also agree um, that there is a I don't call it a paradox. I use a much a much different kind of word than that. I, I won't get into the word that I use, but we'll go with the word paradox for the time being. There is a paradox inherent in human behavior where the um, our 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 conscious or subconscious intentions and motives are hidden from us right um because we don't know uh the the, the, many psychologists know this carl Jung being the most famous of them but we don't know what we don't know about our own selves uh we see through a glass as another theologian said many years ago we see through a glass darkly right We, we we can't understand ourselves and so the path to um 
and I would start in a leadership context, and even in a business context, I would frame it like this. The path to self-awareness starts with looking, obviously, at yourself, but not, to Tom's point, and even to your point, Richard, not in a selfish way, not in a I could be anything I want to be kind of way, which is what that's why Tom was laughing, because that's sort of where I get off the train with everybody else um, as well. Um, but it's more of holding a mirror up to yourself and forcing yourself to look at your own paradoxes and to resolve those. Um, and psychology forces us to do that, uh, depending upon which psychological school you're, you're in, uh, or if you've taken a psychology class, um, the best parts of religious theology force you to do that. Um, but then also, so does the study of, uh, so does the study of ethics. And so, um, one last question on this, and then I want to turn the corner. I want to talk a little bit about growth craft with you, but one last question on this. So, um, and I'm going to frame my what if in terms of a business person, a startup founder, right? So, so let's say I'm a startup founder. I want to take the change agent course. The conversation that we've been having for the last 15, 20 minutes or so sounds really interesting. I want to go sign up for this. Um, but I know that I may have cut corners in the past or maybe didn't quite land on the target in a way that made me feel comfortable, right? Is this course going to challenge me to go back and fix those kinds of things? Is it going to challenge me to go back and repair those types of relationships? Or to Tom's point, is it a course that is going to set a path for me so I don't make those mistakes in the future? How how is this course going to help me best if I'm a if I'm a startup founder who maybe thinks I'm a good person or, or thinks that overall I make good decisions, but I have a shadow of a doubt on around five to ten percent of them? Well, uh both both uh what what the course uh what the, first of all the course will make it very clear to to you uh, uh the the human weaknesses and pitfalls that that uh most people are not aware that that they've fallen into and and when you understand those pitfalls and you then you can see you see you know the damage that you've done in the past uh you know you'll 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 see the importance of of um repairing that damage and so um and 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 everything that's you've done in the past unless unless you can't find the person anymore because the, the you know you just have no way of contacting the person that that you you've uh you've you've had this unfortunate interaction with uh you, everything is repairable and so um at least at least uh, uh people should try to repair whatever damage they've done that's a basic ethical principle um and when you do that uh it it actually empowers powers you but in terms of looking forward um you you will definitely learn a set of principles that will enable you to observe yourself and everyone else more accurately. That alone will enable you to avoid making similar mistakes in the future, number one. And it will enable you to serve everyone else that enters your sphere of influence in a new way. So you actually acquire a new degree of freedom that you did not know was possible before. A free will and freedom is part of the course. And that's one of the transformational aspects of the course is acquiring this new degree of freedom 
because you've learned something about the paradoxical nature of the human condition that you did not know before. And that is that could be turned into a competitive advantage because if your, if your competitors don't understand this, you have a competitive advantage over them. Uh, just from just from the perspective of how you interact with customers and clients and uh, and how to empower your clients and how to empower the people you work with inside your company and outside of your company, this is this is the one of the great benefits of taking the course. Um, so does that answer the question? Mm-hmm. So so Richard, let, let let's uh, let's turn the corner here, and, and we do have to wrap up. Uh, sure. uh, within a few minutes here. So I want to ask you a little bit more about uh, GrowthCraft. Um, so tell us a little bit about what brought you to GrowthCraft, what, like how you got involved, why you're staying involved, because you've been with us for quite a while now, uh, and, and what you what you enjoy about being part of the group. Can you talk a little bit about that before we uh, let you go? Sure. So I learned about GrowthCraft when I met uh, JP, JP Puchulu. Uh, I met JP. Um, he was introduced to me by someone who, who already was involved in the Kotel business community, which is the predecessor to the World Ethics Organization. And uh, JP, he, he took the change agent course. And through, through JP, I learned about growth, growth craft. I, 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 I was actually one of the first, I think I was in the first cohort uh, when, when growth craft started. And um, and so uh, I, I think that uh, what I like about growth craft is is the uh, is the fundamental commitment to serving the the startup community in, in a very unique way. And so um, uh, I, I think it's uh, I just think it's a, just a wonderful uh, model, uh, the model that you have, which is which is a model that I, I've never seen before, where where your advisors work together as a team. To support, you know, your your uh, your your members, um, and of course, the people that I've met, uh, you know, you you guys in particular, uh, you know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for, for for both of you and for for you know your your commitment to uh, just to serving the, the people who join your community, and so um, you know, you're not in it just to make money, uh, and uh, you know, you're in it to make money meaningful. Yes. And so uh, that to me is is highly ethical. So you're a highly ethical organization. Uh, I don't know the extent to which you talk about ethics. Uh, uh, and so I, I, I would, uh, you know, uh, I, I look forward to spending more time with you to uh, to see if we can uh, increase that. Well, I would assert that actually in a conversation we were having yesterday in our leadership meeting, we were talking yeah. about ethics without ah. really using the word ethics yeah. actually I, I think that's part of the problem i don't think people use the word enough but we yeah. talk about <laughs> right the right thing the right thing to do the bigger picture like we talk about that a lot but i don't think we ever preface it by saying we're going to talk about ethics now <laughs> like, right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i would agree i think i think we do i think we do talk a lot about a lot about it a lot internally yeah um, but maybe maybe we maybe we should be using the word ethics um yeah. more um, well, it's not uh, just using the word, it's, it's giving a voice, giving actually a voice to ethics so that people understand that when you're talking this way, that's what you're doing. And it's purposeful. Yeah. 
Awesome. So uh, Richard, where are all the places where people can find you, find the world information about the World Ethics Forum, if they want to become more involved with that, or find information about the Change Agent course? Where can they go and where can they get a hold of you? Well, you can go to the worldethicsorganization.org website. Uh, that's that's our that's our website. And um, uh, you can also go to the Kotel Business Community uh, website as well. Uh, that's at uh, actually kotelbusiness.org, kotelbusiness.org. And there, there you'll learn all about uh, the programs that we offer, one of which is the change agent. Um, uh, you can contact me uh, at, at richard at cotelgroup.com uh, or at richard at worldethicsorganization.org. Um, or you can just contact uh, these guys. Hey, son knows how to get, get in touch with me. Tom knows how to get in touch with me. Uh, and so it's one big family. It's one big family. Uh, and so I, uh, I look forward to meeting anyone who's listening to this podcast today. Uh, we don't charge a fee for the change agent course yet. Uh, people are pressuring me to start charging for it. Uh, Take it while you can get it. <laughs> Take it while you can get it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and um, and we are looking for founding donors for the World Ethics Organization. It's only a $250 donation on a founding donor of the World Ethics Organization. So uh, thank you very much, Hassan and Tom, for inviting me to participate in your podcast. And uh, let's rock and roll. Let's rock and roll indeed. So we are going to have links to all of the different places where you can find Richard Messing, the Cotel Business Group, the World Ethics Forum, and of course, information about the Change Agent course in the links that will be in the show notes below the episode of this podcast. I would encourage you to click on all of those to find out how you could be more ethical and to make ethics more of your practical uh, and ethical business and competitive advantage. Once again, I'd like to thank Richard for joining us today on the Growth Craft Podcast. And with that, Tom and I, we're out. We're out. Each second Thursday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, join GrowthCraft live and in person at Second Thursdays at CIC, located at 1 Broadway, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Located at Kendall Square, CIC features the most engaging entrepreneurial community in the Northeast, right next to MIT and minutes from Harvard University and downtown Boston. With 250,000 square feet of professionally managed, flexible workspace, CIC has every office amenity you could possibly need to scale your startup project. For those of you who are local, or if you're just visiting Boston, GrowthCraft advisors and founders can meet others in our community face-to-face. -face. Join us for an informal social and informational get-together. Meet others, chat with advisors and peers, make connections, and then stay for Venture Cafe, starting at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, every second Thursday at CIC. Check out the links to the GrowthCraft website to join us live and in person at Second Thursdays at CIC in the show notes below the podcast player you're listening to uh, right now. 
and thanks. <laughs>